0: Hi there, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Folks, our desire is that we can incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit in power, reviving His church here in West Michigan, but also in our state and our nation, and then leading to a great spiritual awakening all for His glory. But for that to happen, it's just critical that first we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to his instructions in humble obedience. So it is a pleasure to welcome a friend, someone I've known for a number of years and gotten to know uh, recently uh, even more deeply, uh, for which I am grateful, uh, Pastor Jonathan DeCou. Welcome to the podcast today, Jonathan.
1: Oh, Randy, thank you so much. It's It's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you and your guests today.
0: Let me tell you a little bit more about Jonathan. Uh, He currently serves as the lead pastor of preaching and teaching at Whitneyville Bible Church in Alto, Michigan, a suburb of Grand Rapids. He brings more than 40 years, I can't believe, time flies, doesn't it, more than 40 years of ministry experience to his current ministry responsibilities. Uh, Training was done at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, And after that training, he served a number of churches across the country in different capacities, including being a teaching pastor, worship arts pastor. He's quite musical, musically inclined. We'll probably talk about that a bit. He's provided pulpit supply, all in addition to an extensive ministry of teaching at conferences and through church consulting. That's interesting. He's married to the love of his life, Sherry. And together they have five children: daughter, four sons, and then what he describes as a son in love, and two daughters in love, and four beautiful grandchildren. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And you got a you got a book coming out.
1: Yeah, we're trying to get it out uh, by the end of the year, hopefully by the fall.
0: Yeah. Well, what's the topic, t- uh, subject, uh, title? If you got it. Yeah, I do. The book
1: is going to be called. Uh, the the whole idea of the book yep. it's Called Can We Talk, and the uh, uh, subtitle of the book is When God Asks the Questions. And so uh, the book grew, Randy, out of a season of my life several years ago when I was just really banging on the gates of heaven, kind of, I'll be honest, demanding God answer some questions for mm. me, come across, you know, and yeah. kind of quiet. Mm. and so uh, one night, had a really, really rough night, and I got up out of bed. It's around one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, and I went out to the dining room table with my Bible, and I was just really in a hard conversation with the Lord, and uh, it was as if the Holy Spirit was saying to me, I hear your questions, but have you uh, answered my questions? Wow. And I was like, Well, yeah, I mean, we can get to that, Lord, but I got this question that he kept coming back with that. So that evening I began a, which became a couple year process of studying. Uh, I started in the Old Testament, the New Testament, but then focused back in the Old Testament, times when God asked people questions. Okay. God doesn't usually ask questions because he doesn't know the answer to the question. Right, right, right. And so the book. Uh, each chapter begins with a kind of a story narrative of the different individual that we're meeting where God talks to them. And then there's a teaching segment at the ba- the last two thirds of the chapter, which, you know, does like a like a study of the time when God asked them a different question. So we meet all kinds of different people. We meet Adam and Eve in the Garden, mm. uh, in the Garden of Eden, when God asks, where are you? Yeah. And uh, we meet Hagar when she leaves pregnant with Ishmael and she's out there in the desert and she's getting all upset. Now, what have I gotten myself into? And God asks her, where, where are you going and where have you come from? Uh, we meet Moses when God asks Moses to speak up for him when it would be a lot easier for him to just button his lip. And then we meet oh, all kinds of different other ones. We meet mm. Isaiah at the end of the book. And, Uh, He asks, you know, who will go for us? And uh, Isaiah answers, here am I, send me. So it's it's really me wrestling through the questions that God asked. And I'm just praying that the the Lord will use the book to encourage folks to deepen Mm. their walk with God, walk with God, trust his sovereignty and really lean into them, really lean into him, especially when they're dealing with, You know, times when it seems like God's not coming across with the answer that they want, or maybe they don't hear him saying anything. So he's probably Mm -hmm. looking to do something in us in times like that.
0: Yeah. How long ago was that, that you had that interaction with the Lord at that level?
1: That would have been about three and a half, almost four years ago now. Okay. And the journey through the questions I thought would go a little quicker uh, yeah, okay, yeah, but uh, took a couple of years, mm-hmm. and so um, then I began to, with the advice of the folks who are helping me publish the book, they really said, This is the title you wanted, this is the thing they wanted me to work on, and so I'm going to be okay, uh, finishing up the book hopefully here in June, okay, and get it you know, go through little editing and set up stuff, and hopefully, we can have some hard copy by the fall. That's the plan.
0: Well, that's great. Well, we need to pray toward that end. Again, you, you were raised with, you know, Christian parents in the church. Your dad was an incredible musician, organist, and so on at Calvary Church, where we attended. He, he just, he was amazing. And uh, sometimes, you know, if you're in ministry, raising your children, you know, to be Christ followers, you know, they that could be a challenge. You know, you talk about pastor's kids, sorts of things. And uh, so, you know, you state in your, your bio, you state that this is you. You said, I want to spend my life and all my talent and gifts to exceptionally and excellently make God famous, encourage other Christ followers, and introduce others to Jesus Christ has it just always been that way from being a little kid and, you know, no bumps in the road or was there a time in your life where you made it your own, regardless of, you know, your background, your, you know, your, your wonderful parents and so on. What, what what was that process to make that who you are, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, it was not, not a moment. It's been exactly like you said, it's been a process and I, I can think of several points on the way (laughs) Uh, on the journey of faith, Randy, where God has really shown up to further clarify and bring me deeper into relationship with him and help me understand what it is he wants me to be mm-hmm. and do. Um, back at Calvary Church, when I was a young, you know, just a boy in middle school, I really sensed a call to the ministry. Okay. And then Pastor George Gardner was a the pastor there, and uh, he took me under his wing a little bit and helped encourage me to pursue full-time ministry. That was a significant thing. Okay. But I've got to be honest, Randy, when I was young in the ministry, <clears throat> um, you know, you move into a church situation where you're called to serve as a, one of the associate pastors. I was the young guy. And I, I felt a lot of the time like I had something to prove. I had to earn a place on the team and that kind of a yes. attitude. And it really, I think, stemmed from a, a an inaccurate perception of God Okay. that, you know, God was, you know, he would like me. If I did certain things, he would be unhappy with me. If I did other things, mm. I often share when I talk about this with other people, you remember the wizard of Oz movie. Yeah. And you remember Dorothy and her friends, they make their way into the great and mighty Oz and uh, <laughs> they, you know, they're shaking in their boots and, he tells him to go get the broom from the witch, and uh, then he'll, ever he'll talk with him and work with them and all that. And I kind of had that view of God in a in my mind, even when I was a young man. And so I felt like if I could just bring that broomstick to God, then he'd you know then he'd be happy. And then you know the in the movie how they bring it back, and he says, to, "Oh, come back, you know, tomorrow." and I felt like that was kind of my relationship with mm. God. That wasn't because of God. That was because of me. And so uh, the long story short is that I did end up in a very dark season of the soul, mm. fell into a very serious time of depression that caused a lot of problems for me and my my wife, Sherry. And at that, at that time, our just our, our daughter, we only had her at the time. And... Uh, the Lord really walked me through that. That was a, a couple year process of stepping through understanding why I had fallen into depression, helping me sort through the thing that my stinking thinking about God, that wasn't accurate and discovering that God really wanted me to just crawl up into his lap. Wow. And he wanted to hold me and say, Jonathan, I'm your father and I love you and I take you as you are. We're not going to leave you this way, but I take you as you are. And will go forward. So that was in my, my mid and late twenties where that occurred. And then over the years, Randy, the Lord has just continued to use the circumstances of life and ministry. The children started coming along and that really helped teach me a lot about my relationship with God. Because as a dad, you know, this, and as a grandfather now, my children and my grandchildren didn't have to do anything to prove themselves to be my kid or to earn my love and favor. Yeah. I, just, I just love them. We just had a text exchange this morning among our family. Our granddaughter, Eleanor, is taking her first two steps this morning. And, uh, you know, I don't look at her and go, well, it's about time. Okay? Yeah. yeah you Nothing know, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it it's so precious. So God's been very faithful and patient with me.
0: Uh,
1: and then I have been, I did serve most of my ministry career, if I could put it that way. I don't like to refer to it that way, but you sure. understand. Um was in worship ministry, but all along, because of Pastor Gardner's discipleship, he really challenged me to make teaching and preaching a part of my ministry. And so I always did that. And about 10 or 15 years ago, yeah, i closer to 15 years ago, the Lord really impressed upon me to move more toward the teaching, preaching, and writing. And so he stepped me toward that. Mm-hmm. And the way, the statement that you just read about making God famous... yes building up others and encouraging others and helping people come to faith in Christ has always been a part of what I'm doing in worship ministry even but the Lord has brought me and I think to a more strategic point at this this stage of life to be able to 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 do that in a little bit more strategic way in a local ministry
0: that's great oh that's awesome So again, you're saying back in your twenties, you went into this dark place where again you had to prove yourself to God and you had a a, a, not a good picture of really who our Heavenly Father is. And 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 I'll be candid. I mean, I can struggle in the same area of performing, you know, doing rather than being with the Lord and loving, loving him and loving myself, loving others. Um to me, it's a daily struggle still. I don't know about for you. Is it, it pretty much past and you you, you kind of can coast a little bit, or is this something you have to maintain? Well,
1: it's. I was just talking to my son Cameron about this about a week and a half ago. I don't think the journey of faith for any of us is ever complete yeah. until we are in glory with the Lord Um I've you know thought a lot about some of the men that I've looked up to and admired who seem to have later in life kind of either stalled or tripped.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm like, Lord, please don't let that be me. Um, I have here in my Bible something I, w- I was thinking of earlier this morning, and it touches on this very point. Okay. Um, in Jeremiah 9, mm-hmm. verse 23, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom yeah. or the strong men boast of his strength or the rich men boast of his riches. Well, Randy, you know, it's hard for us as men to not mm. find our identity in what we do yes. and accomplished. Yes. And to think, well, you know, I, I've got this position now, or I've got this uh, salary now,
0: or I live in this
1: neighborhood now or whatever, you know, it's all kinds of things that we look to. Yeah. And the Lord says here, you know, yeah, maybe you're smart enough, but that isn't the thing to trust. That isn't the thing to be, to, to be glad about and to boast in. And he said, you might be physically have prowess. That's great, but that's really nothing to boast about. And he said, you may have everything the world could offer, but that's still not enough, anything to boast about. Yeah. And he goes on, he says, but let the wise men boast hmm. about this, that he understands and knows me Amen. that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth for in these I delight, declares the Lord. That's good. And so, uh this morning I was just reflecting on that and saying, Lord, help me to know you more and to know you better. So, no, That's it is good. never a completed moment. It is never yeah. a finished thing yeah. for me. And I I Randy, I think even eternity, one of the reasons there's eternity is to explore the vastness of the glory and the majesty and the character of God. That's and good. even an eternity into eternity. Yeah. We would still be needing to know Him and understand Him more. Yeah. And to know that God's kindness, His justice, and His righteousness are things, those are all aspects of His character, that He wants to deepen in me and through me. Mm-hmm. That's what puts a smile on God's face. That's what I should be boasting about. So That's it's a long really ongoing road. I I believe it.
0: I really I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple points on that. I mean, I years ago, I uh when I was changing from being a judge to moving on to we were being recruited to start Michigan Family Forum in Lansing. And uh we we're meeting uh we we're gonna meet with Jim Dobson, Jim and Shirley Dobson for breakfast. I'd never met him before and um I, I we were at a hotel actually in Phoenix Arizona and I had a little bit of extra time and I climbed the a little hill behind the uh, the the, the uh, uh, hotel and at the top was a cross that was someone had painted on on the side of side of the the the, the, the hill or a little bit of a mountain I guess you could call it, but it was right on a rock and it was above me so I was having a little quiet time but I kept thinking about that cross that was above me and behind me, and I just had the desire to try to get up to touch that cross somehow. It was maybe a 12-foot tall, big cross that someone had painted. So I got up close to it, and I I was able just to reach up and touch the foot of that cross with my hand, and the verse came to me from Galatians, may I never boast. You talk about boasting. May I never boast, save in the cross. Of Christ Jesus, my Lord, by which I am crucified to the world and the world to me. I later found out that Billy Graham actually had that scripture on more than one wall in his home. Oh, wow. And, you know, we talk about people that that later in life, you know, maybe they're you know people we admire and so on as Christians, but then they they have missteps. They slip and fall and, you know, God still loves them, but... eh, But Billy Graham, he ended strong. And I think part of that was because of never boasting. If anyone could have boasted, I mean, he met with presidents, and he spoke to millions and millions of people, but he never boasted. What an amazing thing. And to me, it's pride that often gets, you know, we say, hey, I've got this. I live here, as you're pointing out. I own this. My name's in lights. May I never boast? You
1: know, the Lord uh, says to us, he will not share his glory with anybody else. That's right. So if we reach out and try to take that to ourselves, we're really kind of in a collision course with, with a good spank from the Lord, I think, Randy, because yeah. he said, I'm not going to allow anybody. I'm not an exception to that. I I need to remember hmm. that the Lord will only... Only allow His glory to be shared by Himself and nobody else. Yeah. So when we get our heads full of ourselves and we start believing our bios a little too much and our press releases, we're
0: Hmm.
1: we're in a bad spot. And I think they, like I read here and what you quoted from Galatians, yes, really great reminders to us that the Lord is the center. He's the center of our very existence. Yes. He's the one who gives us hope, and like you said, His cross brings us redemption. Mm-hmm. It restores our relationship with him. It restores our relationship with others. And it re- even restores our relationship with ourselves. Yeah. It's a, it's, that is our hope. That's mm-hmm. our confidence.
0: That's good. That's real good. Well, let's uh, change subjects just a little bit here and talk about the church in America. Mm. You know, I saw a statistic the other day. It said that the five nations in which the church of Christ is growing the fastest are nations where the Christians are under some degree of persecution, and the five uh, nations where the church is in decline or static, not growing, are the, the nations in which the church is relatively free, including America. What's your view of, of, of the church in America today, Jonathan? Jonathan.
1: Well, Randy, one of the reasons that I transitioned out of worship mu- music uh, as a ministry and into the preaching and teaching responsibility was that very concern mm. for our our country. And, you know, I I tend to think kind of on a big scale and the Lord reminds me I'm where I am. I need to start where I am. Mm. And so... Uh, that's one of the concerns that I had. I need to start locally. I need to be involved in a local situation. That may be all that God has for me for the rest of my life. And that would be fine. Mm-hmm. But the church in America is, is very weak. It's very impotent and it's, uh, it's mm. very self-satisfied. Mm. Uh, it, it self, it sets itself up in judgment over God's word, mm. And over God's expectations, it's a nation that needs to be on its face in humility before God and repent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I have been personally seeking that. Um, you know, I think of all of the verses in Scripture that speak to the need for nations to be righteous. You know, the Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people yeah we're a nation that tolerates gross sin and we're at a point now where we celebrate it and the people who are called calling our nation to righteousness are ridiculed and castigated yeah um yeah the name is is psalm 33 another wonderful verse blessed is the nation whose god is the lord Hmm. God, is, God is, is not Lord over America. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know there are those who would question whether America was ever really a Christian nation in a most fundamental sense. I'm not going to get into that conversation here probably, but we certainly had men and women who believed godly principles and righteous principles yes. to, to yes. Found and start and move the nation God's way. Yeah. And no. now we don't want to even hear about that. We don't want to even teach it to our children, and that's that's a serious problem. Yeah, uh, another one. Proverbs eleven: for lack of guidance, a nation falls. Mm-hmm. But many advisors make victory sure. And Randy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that isn't a generic call to just any advisors. Yeah, it's a call to righteous advisors. And you look at the nations, uh, I just began yesterday a series in the book of Daniel here in our church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We'll be preaching all the way through summer in the book of Daniel.
0: Yeah.
1: A young man who grew to be an old man in, in the course of what we read in Daniel. And he trusted in the sovereignty of God and he could stand before a series of kings. He outlived several kings. And every time he stood for right. what was righteous, yeah. what was true. And God used him in a powerful way. And we have one of the most critical prophetic books of the Bible as a result of a man who could humble himself before God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: On July 3rd, I'm going to preach a message, Lord willing, out of Psalm 80. Okay. Three times in that chapter, there's a verse that's almost identical every time. It says, Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. And there are three pleas in that repeated verse. The first one is to restore us. That means to turn us around. Mm -hmm. Oh, Randy, our nation needs to turn around. It needs to turn from sinfulness. It needs to turn from godlessness and turn back to God.
0: That's really good.
1: The second plea is for God to make his face shine on us. That's a picture of God's pleasure and blessing. Mm-hmm. And that reminds us of that great um, Aaronic priestly blessing in Numbers 6. Yes. And it calls us to put ourselves in the, the right direction so that God can bless us and shine on us and smile. On us. And then the final plea is, God save us in that verse, mm-hmm. that repeated verse. Something interesting happens in Psalm 80 with it, that repeated prayer. Mm-hmm. It first says, Restore us, O God. That's the generic Hebrew word for God right okay. there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then the second time it's repeated in verse seven, it's restore us, O God of angel armies. Hmm. And then the third time, it's restore us in your Bible and have the all caps Lord, which is the the name for Jehovah, the covenant name of God. Restore us, Jehovah God of angel armies. Wow. That's something. And, and that... That will be the message that I'll bring into our church and say, this is the message our nation needs to hear. And it has to start at Whitneyville Bible church. It has to start with pastor Jonathan. It has to start with each and every one of us. I wish I could stand here and wave the flag and say, rah, rah America. But we're at a point where I don't, I love America. I, you know, I do, Randy, I love our country. I I believe that God, Mm -hmm. It is a a wonderful, great nation for a reason, but we've forsaken that. Yes. We need God to restore us. We need God to shine his face upon us again. Yeah. And we need him to save us.
0: That's right. That's the. That's so true. I I appreciate that. We, uh, and it's got to start. I'm I'm glad you said it. It's got to start with me. It's got to start with you. Got to start with Christ. You can't expect non-Christians to behave like Christians. And, uh, you know, when, when I was at Michigan Family Forum trying to influence legislation, and we got stuck at a certain level trying to actually change the divorce laws, um, the no-fault divorce laws.
1: I remember that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's easier for me to divorce my wife. We've been married 52 years. Um, she can, She can't stop it because of no-fault divorce. It's easier to divorce someone you've been married to for 52 years than to fire someone that you hired last week, believe it or not. They have a cause of action, wrongful discharge. Well, anyhow, we're trying to change that. And one of the state senators said to me, you know, Randy, um, public policy is a lagging indicator of the culture.
1: That's That's a very accurate observation. And
0: then let's go one step further. The culture is a lagging indicator of the health and effectiveness of the church. I believe it. I and that. we need revival of the church that then leads to cultural change through a awakening, a spiritual awakening. Right. Do you have any hope that we're going to have a revival of the church in America, Jonathan? I do because my hope is in God. Okay. My trust is
1: in God. Mm and the verses that i the verses that i just shared for you out of psalm yes, 80 yes, yes are not just you know cross your fingers hope mm-hmm. for the best yeah they're biblical principles that we can trace all the way through god's word first god is more than willing and able to turn us and i love the way the words are mentioned there in psalm 80 randy it's saying God, you restore us. Yeah. Oh, God, the one who has all of the angelic realm at your disposal to affect your sovereign will, would you be the one to restore us? Yeah. And then imploring him based on his covenant name, Jehovah, God, we have violated your law. We have violated our covenant relationship with you. Mm-hmm. You never did you never stepped away. yeah. And so we're calling on you on the basis of that. And God has shared all through his word. You know, people have this idea that God, like I said, you know, I did too. Like I mentioned in my testimony, God's mad. God's mad. Oh, he's really mad at you. No, God isn't mad. He satisfied his wrath and anger on the cross Mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ. And he loves us. He wants to restore us and he wants to save us. And the not only in the salvation of Christ, but the the ongoing work of salvation, the on- work, ongoing work of sanctification mm-hmm. is part of being saved and continually being saved and save us all the way to glory yeah and so yeah, I do have hope and trust in that, and God has done it before mm-hmm. He can do it again, and he's told us that he wants to,
0: yeah, but I'm wondering whether it's going to take more pain. To get our attention as Christ followers, rather than say, "Well, I'm an American Christian and I deserve comfort and ease and make it," you know, I go to church, yeah, once or twice a month, everything's fine here, uh, or whatever. But that we be wholehearted and say, "Lord, whatever it takes," and that we get involved in prayer. Are, are you got folks around you that are praying for this in in a real diligent, wholehearted way? Absolutely,
1: we do. Uh, One of the things that I shared with the church when I was here in view of call before they actually did call me as pastor is that I said, I personally want prayer to be a centerpiece of my ministry and the life of our church. So I have a group of individuals, a group of men who pray for me. And I had another man just last Sunday on his own. He doesn't even know about my prayer partners. It's not a big thing that I publicize, but uh, he came up to me, he said, pastor in the previous church I served in years ago. I was a prayer partner with our pastor. I would like to do that if you would like. And I said, all right, brother, come on, bring it.
0: That's so, so I good.
1: That. And then we have a group of folks now for the last uh, couple of years who meet every Wednesday morning here mm. at our church. And the only way we don't meet is if there's some critical thing that falls on that Wednesday morning. Sure. sure. But otherwise we meet every Wednesday morning. And Randy, it is the sweetest time of fellowship with everybody It is far from boring. It is an exciting time. It's great. It's a war room, I think, where we're storming the gates of glory for uh, all kinds of requests for God to do His supernatural work in specific individuals who either don't know Christ or need to be brought back to the Lord, Uh, people that are facing all kinds of challenges in their home. We pray for our nation. We pray for our state. Great. pray for our local community. Uh, In fact, in our bulletin every week, we have a series of things that we rotate prayers for. uh, And among those are our federal leaders, our state leaders, and our municipal leaders. And we we pray for those. And so uh, I think that is just so important. It is. And we made a decision as elders. Every gathering we have, prayer must be a part of it. Every gathering, even if it's just a breakfast meeting that we're having, whatever gathering we have, we want prayer to be a part of that.
0: Oh, that's so great. Well, as we bring the plane in for a landing here, anything that I've not asked that uh, is on your heart that you want to share? Otherwise, I'm going to ask you to close us in prayer right here.
1: Well, Randy, I would just want to encourage everybody to not be ashamed of the gospel. Hmm. Uh, to be like Jesus, full of grace and truth. It's not either or, it's both. Be full of grace and truth and know that the gospel is the power of God to save us. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, like Billy Graham had all over his home and like you had that experience in Arizona, in Phoenix that day, to remember the cross, Mm. to remember the cross, don't forget it. Uh, that we can get on all kinds of different issues and tangents, but yes. let's keep the cross and the Lord Jesus, the center of what we do. And as we celebrated a week ago, we serve a risen savior. He proved that what he did on the cross is real, legitimate, powerful, mm-hmm.
0: true live in that. That's so good. I encourage great. everybody to do that. That's great. We'll close us in prayer, brother. So our
1: dear heavenly father today We thank you for the privilege of spending this time together, Mm. and I just pray that you would remind each and every one of us, Lord, of your greatness and your goodness, your incredible love, Mm. the love that you have used to draw us to yourself, Mm. even when we were sinful and rebellious and we didn't want to have anything to do with you Mm. kicking and screaming You loved us and drew us back to yourself. We want to thank you for that. Would you help us spend our lives, Lord, Mm. to make you known? Would you help us within the community of believers, within the church, to be those who hold people up like Aaron held up the arms of Moses? Would you use us to hold others up, to strengthen them in faith and encourage And Lord, would you give us a love for a world that doesn't know you, to not be angry. And like Randy mentioned a while ago, why would we expect unrighteous people to be righteous? They can't do it. But would you help us to be the ones that you would speak through to to bring the message of redemption and freedom to them in Christ Mm. and help them to find abundant life and eternal life in you. Mm. And we pray pray all of these things for ourselves and for our nation in Jesus, your great name we pray and praise. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Jonathan, thank you. Thanks for opening your heart, taking the time to, to share it with, with us. And uh, let's keep praying for the church in America and for the revival that we so desperately need to return back to him wholeheartedly and see him move in power, which is what is something he wants. But we need to want it even more and then do the part that he calls us to do to, to, to cooperate with him so that it does happen.
1: Thank you, Randy. My pleasure to be with you today. God bless you. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.